2: Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. The last day of the second test at the Aegeus Bowl was... At least there was some cricket, but it was was a bit of a kind of uh, meaningless affair, really. I suppose the only thing to be gained was a couple of batsmen getting uh, their eye in against the Pakistan bowlers or a couple of Pakistan bowlers getting their eye in against a couple of the top order England batsmen. A a bit of uh, credit for for Zach Crawley, actually, for for getting through to 50. But in the end, it was the, the Pakistan bowlers, Simon, who looked on top most
1: of the time. Yeah, and it would have been a fascinating Test match, I think, if the weather had allowed us to play to a natural conclusion. It was a horrible day today, really. I mean, the umpires probably compelled. There's been a lot of criticism flying around. I think they've they felt it, and you know they've heard it as well. And so, you know, in in some situations, on a final day like this, where you know it rained early in the day and there's no chance of a result, people might have said, oh. You know, it's best to shake hands and go home and, and call it a draw. But of course, uh, both sides probably wanted a bit of batting practice because there's another game, or, or, or some practice in the middle, I should say, because there's another game here on Friday and of course there's nowhere to go everyone has to stay here inside the bubble so you actually might as well get out in the middle and and play some cricket. Yeah it was a sort of
2: glorified net in a way today wasn't it a sort of preparation for the third test the weather forecast is a little bit better for for Friday Saturday Sunday etc in Southampton but in a way this game that the cricket on the field when it finally got going, was less relevant than a lot of the discussions going on off the field about what to do in this farcical situation where the floodlights are burning brightly, as they were for, for much of the match, and no play was going on.
1: Yeah, Joe Root was was asked about it at the at the end of the match, and he he was saying, I think he made a good point, he said that, you know, this game was, you know, is a bit of an outlier, really. You don't get many games of cricket that are so badly affected in England by the weather. I know you think, you know, think of the English weather being particularly poor, but, I mean, generally speaking, the drainage is better these days. Uh, you know, you can use floodlights, so that helps sometimes in cases of bad light. I mean, this, this was a very unusual test match in the amount of time that we lost to the weather but what it does do is it hopefully it might just get people thinking about bad light and ways of you know combating it in the future Joe was saying talking about you know perhaps we could start a bit earlier I mean there was a ridiculous scenario early in the game where we didn't play until 12.30 and then we played for an hour and then went off for lunch well what what on earth is that about you know there needs to be more flexibility really because you know you sense there was going to be less play later in the day because of the light etc you know play when, play when there's going to be the most light and you know if you like just shorten the lunch interval have you know have a 20 minute lunch interval swap lunch and tea you know when you when you've lost so much uh, time. but not when I say swap lunch and tea I mean have 20 minutes for a, a, you know an early break and then perhaps a, a longer break later on if the players have been out there for for a while This is it, sacrilege call- interrupting the the food intervals <laughs> of cricket changing
2: the, the timings of the lunch interval it's something that's been with the game since uh, 1720 uh, I, I, yeah. of course I, I totally agree with you and I, I mean it was interesting today you, you posted on Twitter didn't you uh, plays due to start at 3.20 will there be a tea interval at 3.50?
1: that presumably there wasn't today, was there? <laughs> Well, I, I think that if, if they'd done that, if the umpires had, had had a tea interval today, I think people would have just you know, torn all their hair out. Any of the <laughs> hair they had left would have, been, would have been torn out. I mean, it was a slightly tongue-in-cheek comment, actually. You know, I, I said something like, uh, they're starting at 3.20, let's hope there's time for tea <laughs> You know, before the match eventually finishes in a draw. But, you know, OK, it was a bit a bit sarcastic. But, you know, it, it's been that sort of test match where you, you have felt very frustrated. I think I felt much more frustrated earlier in the game. Today, you sort of felt, oh, is there really that much point... In playing, really, there's there's nothing yeah. on the game. I mean, of course, there there is one scenario today where there could have been something on the game, and it's something I raised on on, on Test Match Special. It's, it's you know it's something that might come up in the future. You know, we are now playing in the Test Championship. What if this had been a game right at the end of qualifying, and both teams needed to win the match? You know, needed the 40 points that was available from this game to you know to help them qualify. So it was you know it was a bit in in a way it had been a bit like that. Yorkshire against Middlesex match at the end of the championship a couple of years ago, where both sides needed to win, so they, you know, it, they were sort of lobbying, for, they were sort of vying for uh, domination earlier in the game, and then when it came to the final day, they had, you know, they had an agreement about, you know, what they what one team would chase, um, and of course, you know, that has happened in Test match cricket before. It happened in South Africa, Centurion, and it was about, you know, it was nefarious and Hansie Cronje was involved. But I think it, th- this would be very different because. Everybody would know that there was a tactical reason behind it. Of course, you'd have to police it quite carefully, but you wouldn't have, you know, people say, well, you know, it'd be like match fixing, you know, and the bookies would, you know, would be all over it and they would make a, make a fortune out of it um, because, you know, everyone, would, everyone thought it was going to be a draw and then it, there was a positive outcome. But if you knew that both sides needed to win, then, you know, there wouldn't be that heavy betting on the draw because there would be, you know, there, there would be that possibility of, you know, of, of a result at the end of the game because both sides were, were desperate for it. So I, c- I could see it possibly happening sometime. In the Test Championship, but you know, is the weather so bad in other parts of the world that it would happen somewhere else? You know, possibly not, but I mean, you know, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility as the ch- Test Championship develops that you know, captains get desperate and they, you know, they're desperate to win. I mean, you played in you know, many county games where captains agreed because both sides wanted to win. They wanted to, you know, get to the top of the championship. And, and surely that's
2: the purpose of the game in the yeah. end. I mean, the purpose of the game is to, to win or lose, or you know, to to, to compete and also to provide entertainment. Uh, and that certainly didn't happen in this match. Yeah, I can remember lots of games. I mean, there was a classic example, actually, when Middlesex played Worcestershire at Lords, and on the first day, Worcester made about 280 The second day was completely washed out. So on the third day, we forfeited our first innings and Worcester forfeited their second innings. And we chased... uh, We agreed. Roland Butcher was actually captain on that particular day. He wasn't uh, very often captain. And he accepted the challenge uh, to chase the 280 for the full points on the last day. We got bowled out by Phil Newport, the ace swing bowler, for about 120. And Roland Butcher was never captain of Middlesex again. But, but, you know, the idea was was right to, to try and make a game out of it and surely that should always be the objective of course there are less points available for a draw the, the, those 40 points available for the, for the match are not shared if it's a draw so you know that makes a lot of sense really
1: yeah, I, and and you can, I mean, you could see a situation. It'd be fascinating actually to tot, tot it up in the final analysis, uh, whether you know if England were you know twenty points short or whatever at the end of the Test Championship from qualifying for the final. Um, you know, it, as I said earlier, it would need Pakistan, of course, to be clo- you know close in as well in, in the test chambers they're, they're a bit further behind but it would need a situation where both sides needed the points, so you couldn't have just you know one side wanting to do it um, i don't suppose although I suppose that that some in, in another scenario if England, England were absolutely desperate to win, and Pakistan thought, OK, well, you know, if you set us something generous, you know, if, if you risk it, we'll, you know, we'll go for it. Um, then you, you could see a situation where that could happen, where you could sort of coax one side into, you know, at, at least making it a game of it. I know the game of cricket is very wary after what happened. The game of test cricket is very wary after what happened at Centurion, and, and, and rightly so. But it, it, I think it would be legitimate sporting tactics that would drive the two captains in that in that scenario. But anyway, I think that's that's for another day. No one really expected it uh, to happen today. It, you know, England are still seeing it in terms of being one nil up in the series and wanting t- to win the series. Of course, they want Test Championship points as well. Of course, they do. But there was probably they probably felt there was too much uh, to risk today, and it it just didn't feel right after you know the the, the Test match. That we've had and, and you know it also requires both captains as well to get involved.
2: As uh, as regards uh, Joe Root's suggestion that, that we should start earlier to get uh, mm. this cricket in I mean I, I just think that's over complicating it and you know there'll be lots of complaints about people say once spectators are allowed back saying well you know what time is it starting and I can't get there because the trains 9.30 is the sort of cheap train time so I can't get yeah. a train before 9.30 therefore you know it's going to cost me a lot more to get to the game and people plan their day you can't Suddenly, say, "Well, let's start earlier." I mean, to me, the simplest solution is is just to change the ball to play with the pink ball all the time in Test cricket. That is the ball that has been proved to be best visible both during the day and at night. And the the, the tests have been done. The results are that you know when they played it in the County Championship in 2017, they played a a selection of County Championship matches with the pink ball across day, night, uh, uh, sort of scheduling. In 2017, before England played the West Indies at Edgbaston, to test it out, to give all the players experience of it. And the the evidence was that one run per wicket less uh, over those sort of 12 matches so a wicket fell an average of 31 runs during the pink ball games and an average of every 32 runs during some red ball cr- matches before that and the evidence of uh, pink ball tests abroad as well is is that the balance between bat and ball is reasonable sometimes some periods of play sessions of play more wickets fall but that happens in test cricket with the red ball so it seems to me and by the way uh, we have got an interview coming up with Dilip Jodian who is the managing director of Dukes that makes both the pink and the red ball for use in English cricket but you've had uh, you know a lot of
1: discussions over the, the last couple of days about this as well so what's your verdict well my my theory my thought was and and, and is it worth trialing a situation i'm not I, I i don't mind playing on with the the red ball but i'm happy to go with the pink ball as well if they can find a pink ball that that you know everyone is happy with i'm absolutely fine with that i don't I'm, i you know i'm very open minded about making test cricket attractive and keeping the game going. You know, I hate to see um, players coming off a of bad light. It just seems so unnecessary in the you know, 21st century with floodlights, with, uh, you know, all the, the helmets and the protective equipment and the fact that we already played day-night test cricket with a pink ball. It seems to me, you know, wrong. We just we cannot allow this to happen. So, um, But my uh, left-field suggestion was... Could we experiment for a test series where if we do have bad light, we we play with a red ball, but if we do have bad light, then we substitute the pink ball for that time of, of bad light. And, you know, there are lots of variables in cricket. You know, if you if you happen to bat in the sunshine and bat first, all well and good. And then the next day, you know, the other team are batting and it's overcast and there's been some rain overnight and it's humid and it swings. You know, there, there are just the, the variables of cricket. You have to bat first. Some teams have to bat last. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's a massive advantage, uh, you know, batting first compared well, to batting t- last. Well, test cricket isn't fair,
2: is it? I mean, yeah. that's the whole well, point. You know, you, you well, are yeah. a, a hostage but, to the weather a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's, it, they're they're a variable. So that that was one of my suggestions that you you could do that. I I just think we what we must have is some sort of solution to bad light. I don't I don't actually mind what it is, but I, you know why why not trial something like that? Why not you know uh, trial playing with a, a pink ball uh, during a, a test series? You know even just a day. A day series, you know, we play day series. We play the occasional day-night test matches. Why not go with the pink ball? Let's let's test it. Let's see what happens. Uh, because we mustn't go off for, for bad light. I mean, I I do accept what Joe Root was saying. This is a very unusual test match in in the, the the weather that was lost. The other thing I would say as well about just about here, just on ground coverage, you know, there, there wasn't really that much um, coverage of, of the ground with you know with with cheating down to, to to deal with the the rain that we had so you know that that needs to be looked at as well uh, some grounds seem to have better covering than others some grounds like lords for example seem to have much better drainage uh, than others but you know it's been a, it's been a sorry five days actually i don't think test cricket has come out of this week at southampton uh, very well, which is you know, perverse. I saw your tweet actually saying, you know, seven days in cricket, you know, last last weekend, of course, you know, Test cricket was blooming with that amazing victory by England, and then this week it's in a, a bit of a diner after what happened here. Well,
2: yeah, it was a love and hate in the space of a week. Mm. You know, loved it last week with the brilliant run chase, and this week just com- completely completely infuriating that the inflexibility of the rules, the laws, and to an extent the officials as well, applying uh, the, 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 the law to the letter, rather than using a bit of common sense, and yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I just think even sort of substituting a pink ball is overcomplicating it. The red ball has been in in cricket ever since the cricket started in 1720. But the only reason it is red is because red dye is is the colour that leather takes to best. And there's no reason. It's just it's not. It doesn't mean it's not test cricket if you don't play with a dark red ball. And actually, I, I was in Bushy Park the other day in Teddington, and there were two games going on simultaneously on two pitches one game with a pink ball was a, a a sort of like an under 19 game and one with a a red ball was a, a men's game and it was easy to see the pink ball in slightly gloomy weather but you can mm. see the red ball very well from the sidelines so it doesn't make a lot of sense really but of course cricket is full of so many anomalies
1: yeah yeah it, it is and it and it's hard sometimes to to shift it although you made the point in your sunday times article we've made the point many times uh, on this podcast that cricket has you know adapted over the years it has changed it has shaken off its, its fustiness you know and it did not so long ago by deciding to have names and numbers on the on the back of players shirts in in test match cricket which you know drew a little bit of criticism from some traditionists. i i find i'm just up i was always utterly perplexed why people should be up in arms uh, about something like that, but you know, it, ha- it has adapted, has changed over the years. And you know, do people want cricket or not? Do people want to watch, a, you know, see umpires standing in the middle holding their light meters up uh, with, when with no play when it's not raining? Of course, of course, they don't. We we want to play, and I'm sure the players want to play as well. And some of the players that have been you know injured. On the cricket field, of, of, of that, those incidents have happened in, you know, in superb light, sunshine. Sometimes, you know, it, it is a it is a dangerous game, and I think I Nasser think, Say made the point in his newspaper column this morning. You know, is there anything more dangerous on a cricket field than toughers going out to bat against curly Ambrose? Probably not, <laughs> especially for the short leg fielder because he's likely to tread on him. Yeah, I mean, so that so there we go. I mean, it, I think. If there's something positive that can come out of this week, that that would be a good thing, I think. You know, if if we could take it on board, and but yeah, you know, is the ICC sort of flexible enough to to move on this issue? I mean, one of the issues, of course, is that th- this is a problem that is largely associated with England. You know, the weather in other parts of the world, generally speaking, is very good. I mean, you do get the fading light in the, the subcontinent, for example, and sometimes in in the Caribbean, but you know, generally speaking, uh, you know the conditions are good the sun is out and it, and it's not such a a problem it, it may be just one of our problems it may be just this week you know most games here don't end in a draw but if you've got a ticket for that particular day's play in England and they go off a bad light i mean it's it's so infuriating isn't it when you think well hold on they've got the lights on why aren't they playing that i think that that's the issue here um, you know, crowds in other parts of the world, are, you know, perhaps not so big for, for Test cricket, but but here, perhaps we need to adapt and think about how we can deal with this issue. We need to we need to be, you know, we, we need to be to react and not just sort of sit on our hands and say, oh well, wow, that was just one Test match. Let, let's see, let's see, you know, like lots of other great innovations in cricket over the years. Let's see if we can solve this problem as well. Do something about it. Don't just ignore it and sort of hope it won't happen again for another five years or, or, or ten years.
2: OK, well, just before we hear from the man who makes the pink balls, I just want to, to give you a note for your diary. The Cricketer magazine, in its 100th year, is starting a radio station, Cricketer Radio. and It's going to start this Friday. We're going to start with a show called The Last Hour. It's going to feature David Gower and myself hosting a look back at the day's play in the test match and a little bit of a look forward as well. We're going to be coming on air at 5:30 p.m. every day of the third test between England and Pakistan from the Aegeus Bowl. So that's 5:30 p.m. on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday if the game goes that long. The idea is just to give you an alternative listening experience, a little bit of analysis, some insights, some guests. We're still going to be carrying on with the podcast Simon and I, but we're just going to give you a little bit more uh, cricket to listen to as well from 5:30 onwards. If you go to www.thecricketer.com, you'll be able to access this station. The show is called The Last Hour, and it'll be an online radio show for the duration of the test match, starting at 5:30 p.m. So look out for that. Now, I said we'd have an interview with Dilip Jajodia, the man who makes the Duke's balls, both pink, red and white. And before we hear from him, just one little point. Lots of people have been saying, well, why don't you make the floodlights stronger to cope with the bad light issues? Well, the fact is daylight is something like 30,000 lux. That's how it's measured and the best floodlights are about 5,000 lux. So really there is quite a big difference even between the best floodlights and natural light. Uh, you could you know, spend fortunes and put loads more floodlight pylons up, but it wouldn't actually significantly make the light that much better. It certainly wouldn't compare to daylight. So really that isn't the solution. Surely one solution should be to use the pink ball, which of course has been tried in test cricket and first-class cricket in England as well. And I thought I'd ask Dilip to Jodia first, what is the difference in manufacturing processes between the Red Dukes and the pink one?
0: Basically, Simon, there is no difference in the overall process, uh, i.e. the leather, the centre, the thread, all that's exactly the same. Uh, As you know, we use red as a colour for cricket, it's historic. Because, quite interestingly, the only dye that goes through leather uh, for cricket purposes anyway, rather well, is red. So that's why red's been used now for, well, over 100 years, probably nearly 200 years. But we actually managed, when we had the challenge of producing the pink ball for the uh, day night test match, to actually dye the leather pink. So I have a piece here. And I don't know whether you can see the cross section, but it's actually pink all the way through because the biggest problem with dye is it doesn't necessarily go all the way through. So we managed to do that. But the problem is that if you then try and finish it like a red ball and apply grease to the surface to do the waterproofing, it loses its pinkness. It becomes a sort of a very, uh, can't describe it really, an awful color. Whereas with red, it goes darker and that's what we're used to the darker red right but the pink becomes a very odd looking light color uh not appetizing at all so what we've had to do then is to as i say do everything exactly the same and we've even dyed the leather through pink that's important but we put a pigment onto the surface which you can see there which is bright and it's got the right shade and we can now make that consistent so that will be exactly the same pink on any balls we produce so that's important and the reason i mentioned the dyeing of the leather pink underneath is that if the ball should whack something and get damaged if you didn't have it dyed pink you would get a contrast color coming through like if it was white underneath or if it was dark red underneath it wouldn't look very nice so therefore that pink underneath will show through and that'll be fine because it'll be very minimal you know so that's the key thing to it but the biggest disadvantage of this putting the pigment on while it's good for color it without the grease it doesn't have the same characteristics as applying the famous saliva or sweat or whatever to shine up one side more than the other so it's not a traditional ball in that sense but it will behave perfectly all right as you know we had the ball used in county cricket uh, in the MCC versus uh, Middlesex in Abu Dhabi, we then had the day-night test match, and you look at the runs. I mean, you you wrote an article. Well, about all the, the county, all the
2: county uh, games uh, as well yeah. played with the pink ball. I, I looked yeah. up the stats, and there was an average wicket lost during the pink ball series of. Uh, 30.89 runs per wicket and then the, the sequence of county championship matches before that, which were we'll played with the Red ball, they lost a wicket every 32 runs. So there was only one run difference per wicket using all the, those pink ball games in, in those pink ball games. Uh, b- but then you have to put the lacquer on the top of that pink yes, to keep to the, colour, the colour,
0: don't you? Yes. yes, that's to preserve the pigment although we do apply the pigment with a very special method, which obviously I can't go into detail, but we actually, you know, goes into the pores of the skin, it's not just sitting there like a paint, Uh, so that's good. And, you know, at the end of the day, you do have to have some sort of protective coating, as we do with our white ball, so it doesn't gather the dirt. You know, if you're playing on a a muddy pitch, or, you know, soils are different all around the world, so the only way to overcome that is to put a, a protective coating. Now, that is adjustable. I can actually adjust that with its degree of strength. Uh, and one could adjust that to being light or pretty tough. Uh, and uh, again, that comes down to where we are. You know, so if, we've, if somebody says produce pink balls for England, then I pretty well have a good idea in my head as to what I need to do. But if somebody says do it for Australia, then I can put my mind to it and decide on what percentages of the actual polish is, is put into that. But we can tailor make a ball to last 80 overs, and it won't really misbehave or do anything dramatically different to the, to the ordinary ball, in my view. So, my sense. Sense. so essentially,
2: the, you know, in basic terms, the difference between the pink ball and the red ball is that they're both dyed. The, the red ball is dyed red, obviously, yeah. and the pink yeah. ball is dyed pink with a pigment. Then yeah. the red ball has this grease uh, added to it to stop the water getting in, whereas yes. the pink ball has a lacquer uh, attached yes. to it to stop the the dirt getting in effectively. So it's grease instead of lacquer for the red ball yeah. and I suppose yeah. that is the difference in the way they sound yeah. and feel Ian.
0: Yes, because as soon as you put grease onto the leather It will make it sound softer because it's like you know if you put Vaseline intensive care on your hand You'd find your skin feels softer. So that's what happens to the leather on the red ball Whereas with the pink that doesn't happen. So it will sound just a tad you know, harder on the back, but the center is exactly the same. So that's where the real hardness is. It's the actual core. Mm. So the leather itself doesn't have a major effect on the hardness of the ball, but the sound, yes, I agree with you. There is an influence on sound. Uh, And again, it's in the mind, you know, if it comes one ball after another, you really notice it. But if you played with the pink ball after, you know, a a game or after half a session or whatever, you, you wouldn't notice the difference. We sitting in the stands might do, but again, we get used to it. Why can't you add grease to the pink ball? Because it changes color when you put grease into it. So, if it's a, the, most of the red balls are actually quite a light red before we put grease on them, and then they go darker. And that's why you find balls that are of a different shade of red because different heights absorb grease in a different sort of way. So, some absorb more grease than others. And I think that's why there is a myth, or there is this thing in, in cricket that the darker the ball, the more it'll swing. And the reason might be that it's absorbed more grease, that hide, that leather has, has absorbed more grease than uh, the other ball. You know, So that's that's the, those little variations. So pink doesn't work well with absorbing grease. We tried it and really doesn't look very good. People would say, oh, that, that doesn't look very nice. I have been asked whether I can produce a light red cricket ball trying to emulate pink. And th- the answer is yes, we probably could, but again, when you apply the grease, it kind of removes that advantage of lightness because it goes. Uh, a
1: sort I can't of a find the word.
0: Colour. Yeah, it's sort of a dull. Yes, yeah, sort of a non-exciting color, really. I mean, this that that is quite an exciting color, isn't it? You know, it's it visually strong. Yeah, and that's what people want, and certainly from the stands, that sort of pink you would see pretty well.
2: Is the pink ball improving in quality yeah. over the, over the time that it, you've had it, to to produce it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, when we started, before we played it in the test match, and we were two three years, in, and then MCC used it in, in Dubai, and in uh, Abu Dhabi. Yes, we it, it's come on a lot, you know, and leather technology that we employ has come on a lot. You know, we've learned a great deal. But you see, sadly, they then stopped as soon as that test match finished. They said, were not going to play any more test matches. And, and I did make a comment that it might have been an idea to carry on playing an odd couple of rounds of pink ball cricket in the county championship, a to keep people in with the colour, and for us to again gain more experience and you know to be looking all the time, because then when you suddenly cut off the demand, then I haven't got any incentive to keep making more of them. You know, at this level, They're the very top level. So I think that it would have been a good idea because you know there was no plans to have other day and night test matches. Uh, but I think in the long term, somebody has to sort of take a view and ask the question whether is this the way forward in which case what can we do to have a program that will encourage us to go down that route to perfect it you know because i'm sure i have got all sorts of things i can do i think you've spoken to me many times and you know we're not just saying this is the ball taken and go and play with it we're willing to listen and we will then tell people what possibilities are and then hopefully keep on refining until we get to what exactly what we want Can you see any
2: reason why the pink ball should not be used in Test cricket?
0: I don't see any reason at all. I'm confident that this ball is good enough for Test cricket. I think it'll be good for cricket generally. And then here's another thought. Why can't it be pink for all cricket?
2: So you mean white ball as well then?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it it can be seen. That's what it's all about. It can be seen under lights. You can standardise the colour. And that's by the way, that's very important because I, I took quite a long time We came up with two different pinks uh, and I sent them blind to Australia and to the ECB. And coincidentally, they both chose the same color, the same color of pink. So that's it. We've established that and that'll be consistent. And unlike the red ball, there won't be different shades of pink. It'll be it. And that's a good thing. With red, you can't control it because once you put the grease on, it may well change.
2: Have you had any uh, conversations with the ICC or the ECB recently about this?
0: No, none at all. I'm afraid, but it could be all the COVID problems. You know, people have been working remotely, and, uh, you know, we, we obviously didn't know whether they were going to play any county cricket. And then that give, go ahead went ahead, and then we had to rush around and get balls ready for the populist tournament. And that involves practice balls as well, and so on. So we, we had to get them all done pretty quickly, and we managed to do that. So really, my contact has been more logistics and getting that all organized and getting the test match balls in the right place at the right time and so on. So there hasn't been any engagement in developments apart from this week when there's been all the emphasis on, you know, pink balls as a possibility and the suggestions coming from the media and the chat commentators sitting there talking about it. Um, And so I'm sure that there will be an engagement. I mean, this next test match starts straight away. Uh, and at the end of which we will sit down and, and try and have a meeting like this, you know, on Zoom and uh, have, a, have a discussion. Supposing
2: they look at the, the weather forecast for the next test at the Aegeus Bowl yeah. and it looks like it's going to be similar to this test, where there's quite a lot of overcast weather. Say the ECB said to you, did it? can you supply some pink balls of a test match quality for the next test? Could you do that?
0: Yes, OK,
2: well, that's Dilip Jagodia who makes a very persuasive case for using the pink ball in all test cricket in England. He's very keen to help, and he, he says that from a, a cricketing point of view, not from a business point of view, because he sells the balls whether they're red or yellow or pink or green. So it doesn't matter to him, really, but certainly the pink ball solution has got to be worth trying. Give us your thoughts, anyway, on on what you think about that. Send your emails in to simon.hughes at thecricketer.com and we'll read the best ones out over the next few days. And just to say also that, as promised, the Steve Smith full-length interview will be on this podcast tomorrow, Tuesday. So look out for that. And don't forget to put that date in your diary for the last hour on Friday onwards from 5.30pm at thecricketer.com. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you soon.
0: sports social podcast network
2: ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition